ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارham ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدى هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار we continue with the sisters classes in which we are covering the tafsir of surah al-fatiha and matters of jurisprudence connected to the woman and lastly benefits from the biographies of the wives of the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the last class we had reached to the statement of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin all praise is for allah the lord of the worlds or the lord of the creation we covered that allah azza wa jalla he is entitled to all praise number 1 because allah azza wa jalla has bestowed upon us the blessings and the favors that we have whether they are religious blessings or worldly blessings and favors all blessings are from Allah as Allah azza wa jalla mentions wa ma bikum min ni'matin fa min Allah and whatever you have of a blessing or a favor then it is from Allah so we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that which he has given us of the blessings and the favors 
Secondly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is deserving of all praise because of His perfection. Allah azza wa jal, He has al-asma'ul husna. He has the beautiful names. And He has the lofty, perfect attributes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is free from any type of deficiency or defect. So with that being said, Allah Azza wa Jal is deserving of all praise. And no one is similar to Allah when it comes to names and attributes. As Allah Azza wa Jal has the most beautiful names and Allah Azza wa Jal has the greatest of attributes and the perfect attributes. Whereas human beings or creation, our attributes are not perfect. For human beings, we sleep. Human beings, we eat. As human beings, we relieve ourselves. And this is a part of the deficiency of the human being, that he is in need of something to sustain his life or his health and other than that. Whereas Allah Azza wa Jal, He is As-Samad. As-Samad, yani the one who is independent and not in need of anything or anyone in creation, but everything in creation is in need of Him. And Allah Azza wa Jal is Al-Ghani, the all-rich. Whereas mankind, we are the ones who are poor and in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So being that no one possess that which Allah Azza wa Jal possesses of the perfection of attributes, then only Allah alone is to be worshipped. And the hamd is a part of showing gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we are to show gratitude to Allah with our hearts, acknowledging that the blessings that we have, they are from Allah. Secondly, we verbally express the gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the blessings by thanking Him for that which He has given us and praising Him for that which He has given us. Also, by way of mentioning that which Allah has favored us with as a means of showing gratitude. And also, we show gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by way of our actions. That which Allah has given us, we use it in a good way. If Allah has favored us with wealth, then we use our wealth to worship Him with. If Allah Azza wa Jal has favored us with material things, then we use these material possessions and worldly possessions to get closer to Allah and to benefit others seeking the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the praise of Allah Azza wa Jal, it is a form of showing gratitude to Allah Azza wa Jal. Also, 
بارك الله فيكم جميعا. This verse here entails the pillar of love, as all worship is based upon three pillars: love, hope, and fear. Love, hope, and fear. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen is the proof for the love. For when we praise Allah Azawajal, we praise Him out of our love for Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and showing our gratitude to Him. And this is one of the pillars of worship. And the other two pillars, hope and fear, are also present in Surah Al-Fatiha. And we do not worship Allah with love alone, nor do we worship Allah with hope alone, nor do we worship Allah with fear alone. Rather, we combine between all three matters. As mentioned by Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala, in his treatise, uh, Al-Ubudiyah, the treatise of servitude, مَنْ عَبَدَ اللَّهَ بِالرَّجَاءِ فَقَدْ فَهُوَ مُرْجِي وَمَنْ عَبَدَ اللَّهَ بِالْخَوْفِ فَقَدْ فَهُوَ خَارِجِي وَمَنْ عَبَدَ اللَّهَ بِالْمَحَبَّةِ فَقَدْ فَهُوَ زَنْدِيقِ وَلَكِنْ مَنْ عَبَدَ اللَّهَ بِالرَّجَاءِ وَالْخَوْفِ وَالْمَحَبَّةِ فَهُوَ سُنِّيٌ مُوَاحِدٌ this is a statement that Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentioned on some of the early generations of Muslims. That whoever worships Allah with hope alone, then he is a murji, meaning from the murjia. Why is this person from the murjia? The murjia from their deviance is, they depend on the matter of hope. Or they lean to the affair of hope. To the point that they put their dependency upon Allah's forgiveness. And they hold that sins do not harm a person. Sins don't harm your relationship with Allah. Once you are a believer, you are a complete believer. And nothing can harm you. Nothing can decrease your faith. So why? Because these individuals, they focus on the text where Allah mentions He's the most merciful, He's the all-forgiving, and other than that. So they place their focus and their dependency upon the text of hope. The text that deals with the forgiveness of Allah and the likes. And they hold that sins do not harm a person's faith. So when a person is just worshipping Allah based upon that, then this is an indication he has that deviance with him. And then whoever worships Allah based upon fear alone, then he is a khariji, meaning he is upon the deviance of the khawarij. What is the issue with the khawarij and their deviance? They're the opposite of the murjiyah. 
the Khawarij, they lean towards the text where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions he is severe in punishment and the text that mentions the hellfire and they have no hope. See, the Murjiya, they don't look at the text dealing with punishment. They just look at the text dealing with mercy. The Khawarij, they don't look at the text of mercy, they just look at the text of punishment. So they go to the extremes and their worship is based upon fear. To the point that they say if a Muslim commits a major sin, he's no longer a Muslim. So they're expelling people from Islam without right. So they're expelling the people from Islam without right. So here, Barakallah Fikum, this is a mistake on their behalf that they're worshipping based upon fear alone. They're worshipping based upon... 30 minutes. 30. But not in nobody's spot. If you're, if you're in someone's private parking spot, you have to move. They will tow your car. If you're by the meters, then you have 30 minutes free. If it has a red covering over the meter, then that means you can't park there. They'll put a boot on your car. Then you're in somebody's spot. You have to move it. No. No buts. So the Khawarij, their matter is the matter of fear. So they say when you commit a major sin, you have lost everything of faith. Not looking at the mercy of Allah, that Allah forgives sins, and that sins are of different levels and degrees. And then you have those who worship Allah based upon love. And they are the heretics, as mentioned by Ibn Taymiyyah. And those who are intended here, they are the Sufis. Because the Sufis, their ideology is that if you worship Allah based upon hope, doing a deed and hoping for a reward from Allah, hoping for Allah's mercy, they say this is the worship of a businessman. Where you're doing something in exchange for something. They say this is this is like a business a business uh, person doing something in exchange for something. So they say they don't worship Allah like this. And then they say the one who worships Allah with fear, afraid of Allah's punishment, so they worship. They say this is the worship of a slave who's afraid of his master. So they say they don't worship like this. They say they worship with love alone. So they're not. And when they worship Allah, they're not looking for a reward, nor are they afraid of His punishment. They're just worshiping out of love. So the scholars of the past, they said, this person is a zindiq, he's a heretic. Because it has to be a combination of all three. As Ibn Taymiyyah went on to say, however, whoever worships Allah with hope and fear and love, 
then this is a person who is a Sunni, meaning he's on the Sunnah, he's following the way of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, implementing monotheism. So alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen is the, is the proof for the love. Allah describes himself as rabbil alameen and this is the proof for the lordship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Tawheed or Rububiyyah, the Islamic monotheism of Allah's lordship. And that means that Allah is the creator, Allah is the provider, Allah is the one who gives life and causes death. Allah is the one who arranges the affairs of the universe. So being that Allah is the Lord, He is the one who has the right to all praise and worship. As we find in the first commandment, uh, in the Quran, Allah Azza wa Jal addresses mankind. He states, Ya ayyuhan nas, u'budu rabbakum alladhi khalaqakum walladhina min qablikum la'allakum tattakun. O mankind, worship your Lord. So Allah commands mankind, everyone, to worship Him. Why? Because He is their Lord. Where O mankind, worship your Lord. The one who has created you and created those before you in order that you may attain piety. Today we cover the verse Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Allah Azza wa Jal is the most merciful, the bestower of mercy. And we covered something in relation to this when we dealt with the Basmalah. But as a reminder, as Allah mentions with Zakir, فَإِنَّ ذِكْرَ تَنْفَعُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And remind, for verily the reminder benefits the believer. Ar-Rahman, Allah is the most merciful with all of the creation. Everyone and everything in creation, Allah is Ar-Rahman too. As for Ar-Rahim, then Allah Azza wa Jal is Ar-Rahim with the believers alone. So Ar-Rahman, the Rahmat al-Wasi'ah, the possessor of vast mercy, which extends over everything. And Allah is Ar-Rahim, the Rahmat al-Wasi'ah, the possessor of the mercy that He bestows on whomsoever He wills from His servants, meaning the believers. So the mercy of Ar-Rahman is a general mercy and the mercy connected to Ar-Rahim is a specific mercy for the believers. In any event, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, this is the proof for hope. Because Allah is saying He is the most merciful, the bestower of mercy. Therefore, this puts within the servant the hope for Allah's mercy. For no one will enter into the paradise except by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As in the narration of Abu Hurairah radiallahu an, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stated, لَن يُنْجِيَ أَحَدًا عَمُلُهُ That no one's actions will save him. Or no one will be saved or never, no one will ever be saved by his actions. 
They said, not even you, O Messenger of Allah. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, لا إلا أن يتغمضني الله برحمة He said, no, not even me, except that Allah covers me with mercy. That's the point. Even the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself, he's saying that the actions alone will not be salvation for him, except that Allah has mercy upon him. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned, فَسَدِّدُوا وَقَارِبُوا وَغْضُوا وَرُوحُوا وَشَيْءٌ مِنَ الدُّلْجَ وَالْقَصْتَ تَبْلُغُوا أو كما قال صلى الله عليه وسلم The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned after that, Therefore, strive to be upon that which is correct, meaning in your belief, in your statements, in your actions, and strive, if you can't be upon that which is correct, then at least strive your best to be upon that which is nearest to that which is correct. Or as the scholars, some scholars have mentioned that this statement, qaribu, meaning fear Allah to the best of your ability. If you can't do exactly what Allah has commanded you to do, فَاتَّقُوا مُسْتَطَعْتُمْ Fear Allah to the best of your ability. And then the Prophet ﷺ commanded that we worship Allah in the morning. We worship Allah in the evening, in a portion of the night. And then he mentioned وسلم, the middle course, the middle course, that's how you will arrive. So the point here is that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, not even me, except that Allah will cover me with a mercy. So everyone is in need of Allah's mercy. So when Allah informs us that He is the most merciful, the bestower of mercy, this gives us hope. And this is the hope that we are striving to receive from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have a narration on the authority of Abi Huraira radiallahu an. قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لو يعلم المؤمن ما عند الله من العقوبة ما طمع في جنته أحد ولو يعلم الكافر ما عند الله من الرحمة ما قنط ما قنط من رحمته أحد Abu Huraira mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ stated that if the believer, he knew what was with Allah from punishment, then no one would desire the paradise. And if the disbeliever knew what was with Allah from mercy, then no one would despair from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Here, this narration... Barakallah fikum is the prophetic methodology of teaching. And what is that methodology? That is that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam combines between two matters. He combines between the matter of warning the people against the punishment of Allah and putting in the people the desire for Allah's mercy together. 
So you find in the text both matters being addressed. You don't just find in the text the punishment of Allah, the punishment of Allah, the punishment, and all of the text is punishment, punishment, punishment. Nor do you find in the text Allah is all forgiven, Allah will forgive you, Allah will, f-, and then everything is just about the forgiveness of Allah. No. There's a combination of both. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is severe in punishment, but at the same time, Allah azza wa jal is the most merciful. And this is how we should teach people, especially the children. We put both within them, along with the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so that the people don't be lopsided and just lean to one matter, neglecting the other. So here, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, this is the encouragement, seeking the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you find this in verses, like Allah, He states, إِنَّ رَبَّكَ لَسَرِيعُ الْإِقَابِ وَإِنَّهُ لَغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ that indeed your Lord, He is quick in punishing, and indeed He is the all-forgiving and most merciful. So here Allah combined between both matters. Allah is letting us know He will punish us if He wills. And at the same time Allah lets, lets us know that He also will forgive us if He wills. So we should strive and desire that mercy and the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do our best to stay away from that which will earn us the punishment of Allah. Allah, He also mentioned, نَبِّئْ إِبَادِي أَنِّي أَنَا الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ وَأَنَّ أَذَابِي هُوَ الْعَذَابُ الْعَلِيمُ Allah says, inform my servants that indeed I'm the all-forgiving and the bestower of mercy, and also that my punishment it is the severe painful punishment. So here Allah is commanding that that we be that the uh, the reminder be given to the servants of both matters, not just one without the other. That he is the all forgiven and most merciful, so that you can desire and hope and seek for that mercy and that forgiveness from Allah, and at the same time that his punishment is severe and painful so that you can stay away from that which leads to the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah azza wa jalla is ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, and these are two names of Allah, ar-Rahman and ar-Rahim, and one is encouraged to name one's children, Abdul-Rahman, Abdul-Rahim, and the likes. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in amma ba'd In the last class we had arrived to the matter of purifying impurities Purifying impurities And 
from that which we have covered in relation to the woman is her purifying her garment from the blood of the menstruation. The woman, her blood is of different categories. There is the blood of menstruation, which is impure. And connected to that is the blood of postpartum bleeding that comes as a result of birth. Then there is the blood of the irregular bleeding, which is al-istihada, and that blood is pure, as it comes from the shaitan, he kicks the woman in her womb and causes her to bleed from a vein or a blood vessel to make her think that her monthly cycle has come so she can stop praying. And we know once the woman is not praying, her iman is not on the same level as it is when she is praying. And this is a plot and a trick from the shaitan to bring harm to the Muslim woman. And in harming the Muslim woman, it's a harm to the Muslim family. It's a harm to the Muslim marriage. In any event, if the blood of the monthly cycle gets upon her garment, it is upon her to clean her garment. As we have in the narration of Asma, the daughter of Abi Bakr, radiallahu anhuma, قالت جاءت امرأة إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فقالت إحدانا يصيب ثوبها من دم الحيضة كيف تصنع؟ فقال تحطه ثم تقرصه بالماء ثم تنضحه ثم تصلي فيه. So the daughter of Abu Bakr Asma, may Allah be pleased with her and her father, she said a woman came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and said, one of us gets the blood of the menstruation on her garment. What is she to do? The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam told her to gather the garment together, put some water upon it, and then wash it, right? And then rinse it out, and then pray in the garment. We covered in one narration, the Prophet ﷺ had directed one of the women to even use like a bone to clean the garment, to mean like a, to get the garment out. I mean, to get the, the blood of the menstruation out of the garment. But once a woman has done all she can to get the blood out of the garment, if there is traces or a stain that, that is left behind, 
then that will not harm her. The garment is clean. And this comes from the narration on the authority of Abu Huraira radiallahu an that Khawla, the daughter of Yasar, قالت يا رسول الله ليس لي إلا ثوب واحد وأنا أحيد فيه فكيف أصنع Khawla, the daughter of Yasar, she said, O Messenger of Allah, I only have one garment and I menstruate in that garment so what am I to do? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned إِذَا تَحُرْتِ فَاغْسِرِ مَوْضِعَ الدَّمْ ثُمَّ صَلِّ فِيهِ قَالَتْ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ إِنْ لَمْ يَخْرُجْ أَثُرُهُ قَالَ يَكْفِيكِ الْمَاءُ وَلَا يُدُرُّكِ أَثُرُهُ So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam directed Khawla, the daughter of Yasar, that when she becomes clean, from her monthly cycle for her to wash the place that the blood got on and then she prays in the garment she says O Messenger of Allah but what if the traces or the stain from the blood does not come out the Prophet says the water is sufficient and meaning in washing the area and the stain that is left behind it doesn't harm you. So this shows, Barakallah Fikum, that the woman, when washing their garments, sometimes they will remain a stain from the blood of the menstruation. This doesn't harm the garment in the sense of praying in it. It is allowed to pray in the garment after she has washed it and done with she has the ability to do. And the scholars, they mention that is because it will be a difficulty in trying to get that stain out of the garment. So from the, the ease of the legislation, as the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, indeed the religion is ease. As Allah mentions, يُرِيدُ اللَّهِ بِكُمُ الْيُسْرِ وَلَا يُرِيدُ بِكُمُ الْعُسْرِ That Allah, He wants ease for you and He does not want difficulty for you. This is from that ease that a woman is not commanded to get the stain out. We also cover that it is allowed for the woman to use uh, soap detergents and the likes when washing the garments as the Prophet ﷺ was asked by Um Qais bint Muhsan قالت سألت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عن دم الحيد يكون في الثوب فقال حكيه بذلع واكسريه بماء والصدر الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم directed her to use like a bone to 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 get the the, stain, the blood out of it and wash it with water and cider. And the scholars, they say, this is an indication of the permissibility of the use of the soap that we have in this day and time or the laundry detergent that we have in this day and time. And of course, if a person has the ability to use the cider, then 
the usage of the sitr will be of great benefit due to the components that are present in the sitr and that which it has of benefits in cleaning uh, the garment and also there being uh, a pleasant scent within it. The next matter, Barakallah Fikum, is purifying the lower garment of the woman, like her jilbab, the bottom of it. When the woman walks in the street, the bottom part of her jilbab or her abaya it drags on the ground. As the woman, their garments should come down over their feet. And they should not have their garments raised up as the men have their garments raised up. The Prophet Sallallahu mentioned, مَا أَسْفَلَ الْمِنَ الْكَعْبَيْنِ فَهُوَ فِي النَّارِ Whatever is below the ankles, it's in the hellfire. That's for the men. And so the men are not allowed to have their garments dragging below their ankles. But for the woman, this is what they're supposed to do. Their garments are to be below their ankles, over their feet. And at times when a woman is walking, the garment is on the ground, and it may come across something that is impure. So we have the narration on the authority of Um Walid, the Ibrahim, Ibn Abdul Rahman Ibn Auf Annaha Sa'alat Umma Salama Zawjan Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Fakalat Inni Imra'atun Utiru Dayli Wa Amshi Fil Makan Al Qadr Fakalat Ummu Salama Kalan Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Yutahiruhu Ma Ba'da So on the authority of the mother of the child of Ibrahim ibn Abdurrahman ibn Auf, she asked Um Salama, the wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, she said, I'm a woman whose garment is long at the bottom, and it comes down, the length is long, and I walk in areas that are impure, the impurities in the area. So she's saying, what should I do? So Um Salama, radiallahu anha, she said, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said about this, that that which comes after it will purify it. And what is meant by this statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that which comes after it will purify it, Meaning from the earth, as the earth, Allah Azawajal has made it a means of purification. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he mentioned, وَجُعِلَتْ لِي الْعَرْضُ مَسْجِدًا وَطُهُورًا 
that the earth has been made as a place of worship for me and uh, a means of purification. So unlike the previous nations, we can pray anywhere on the earth except for those places that Allah has prohibited for one to pray in, like praying in the graveyards or praying uh, in the bathrooms or the areas where people relieve themselves and other than that. Whereas the people of the book, before they were only allowed to pray in those buildings that were constructed for the worship of Allah. They could not pray anywhere. They only can pray in their places of worship. Different from us. As an example, we are traveling on the road. There's no masjid to go into. We can stop and pray on the side of the road. And the prayer is accepted. Because the entire earth is a place of prayer for us. But it wasn't like this for the previous nations. And then he mentioned, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the earth is a place of purification. So here, this narration shows that this, the earth is a means of purification. Also, likewise, in the... Uh, the hadith dealing with the saliva of the dog when the dog licks in a vessel the prophet mentioned that one of the times that we clean the vessel is to be with dirt also there's a narration on the authority of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said إِذَا جَاءَ أَحَدُكُمْ إِلَى الْمَسْجِدِ فَلْيَنْظُرْ فَإِنْ رَأَى فِي نَعْلَيْ خَضَرًا أَوْ أَذًا فَلْيَمْسَحُ وَلْيُصَلِّ فِيهِمَا That when one of you comes to the masjid, then let him look at his footwear. If there is any impurities upon his footwear, then let him wipe it, meaning on the ground, and then let him pray in it, showing that the ground is a means of purification. Naam. So in any event, the woman is allowed, or rather the garment of the woman, when she walks and something of impurity gets upon the garment, then that which comes after from the earth, it will clean it. And the scholars, they state, and this is in the case that when a woman, there's something that sticks to her garment of impurity, and then she continues to walk, and then it, it comes off, it cleans it, then the garment is clean, if it's apparently clean. However, if something of impurity gets upon her garment, and then it is not cleaned from her walking further, then it is upon her to 
clean that area. But if apparently there's nothing there, then the origin is that the garment is clean. Now, if there's nothing there, then the origin is that the garment is clean. Another point, Barakallah Fikum. That we benefit from this narration. That the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they were women who benefited from the knowledge of the Prophet. So you find that the woman of the believers, they will go to the wives and ask questions because of them learning from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And this is an encouragement that the women who have husbands who are knowledgeable to benefit as much as they can from their husbands and to learn from them as much as they can and share the knowledge with their sisters in Islam and be a source of benefit for their sisters. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in amma ba'd. In the last class, we are covering benefits from the biographies of the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who are the mothers of the believers. And we are still covering benefits from the life of Khadija radiallahu anha and from the virtues of Khadija radiallahu anha. In the last class we covered the narration on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha قالت ما غرت على النساء النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إلا على خديجة وإني لم أدركها قالت وكان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا ذبح الشاء فيقول أرسلوا بها إلى أصدقاء خديجة قالت فأغضبته يوما فقلت خديجة فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إني قد رزقت حبها عائشة رضي الله عنها she mentioned I was not jealous 
of any of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ except for Khadija. And I did not meet her. She went on to say, when the Messenger ﷺ used to slaughter a sheep, he would send, he would send it or from it or portions of it to the friends of Khadija. Now Khadija, she already passed away. But the Prophet ﷺ used to send food to the friends of Khadija. She said, so one day I made him upset. And I said, Khadija, and the Messenger ﷺ said, indeed, I have been, her, the love for her has been placed inside of me. Meaning Allah Azawajal has put inside of the Prophet Wasallam the love for Khadija. So even after her death, he will remember her. And he will still honor her after her death by honoring her friends. And this shows the virtues of Khadija. That even after her death, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will honor Khadija by honoring her friends and doing good to her friends. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was a blessed husband to her and she was a blessed wife to him. As we covered that they were married for 25 years. And there is no time, as is mentioned, where Khadija upset the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Different from his other wives As Aisha herself she said I made him upset one day But the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Never experienced this from Khadija Where she made him upset As Khadija radiallahu anha She was a source Of comfort And support And this doesn't mean That his other wives did not Comfort him and support him But when it comes to Khadija radiallahu anha She has surpassed the other wives As she was there from the beginning And she supported him with her wealth When the people would say bad things about the Prophet sallallahu He would go to Khadija and she would relieve him of those things that were being said about him and give him reinforcement and lighten the burden upon him. The other wives of the Prophet Sallallahu they were not there. But Khadija radiallahu anha was there and she was the only wife of the Prophet Sallallahu for 25 years. So the love has been placed in his heart for her due to the history that they had between one another. And this shows the virtues of Khadija, that even after her death, 
the Prophet وسلم, he still remembered her. And whenever the Prophet would remember Khadija, his heart would find ease. We have another narration on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha. Qalat ista'adhanat hala bint khuwaylit ukhtu Khadija ala rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Fa'arafa ista'adhana Khadija fartah li thalik. Fa'ala Allahumma hala bint khuwaylit. فغرت قلت ما وما تذكر من عجوز من عجائز قريش حمراء الشقدين حلكت في الدهر فأبدلك الله خير منها عائشة رضي الله عنها she mentions that هالا the daughter of Khuwaylid, the sister of Khadija, sought permission to enter into the home of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So when he heard Khadija's sister seeking permission to enter into the home, it reminded him of the voice of Khadija, because her voice was similar to the voice of Khadija. So he remembered Khadija and became at ease and relaxed. So her coming to the Prophet ﷺ made him happy. This is his sister-in-law. Not because of her, the sister-in-law herself, but because the sister-in-law reminded him of Khadija. And the Prophet ﷺ, he welcomed her and he used to honor the sister of Khadija. Aisha said, I became jealous because the Prophet said, Oh Allah, is Hala the daughter of Khawailid? In a sense, she reminds me of Khadija. So Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, I became jealous. And here is the issue of amazement because Aisha radiallahu anha, she was a virgin when the Prophet sallallahu married her. Whereas the other wives of the Prophet sallallahu they were not virgins. And Aisha radiallahu anha, she's the youngest of the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So the scholars, they say, is amazed that she, with her virtue, and being a younger wife, she was jealous of an older woman. And normally it's the older woman being jealous of the younger woman. <laughs> but in this case, Aisha being the younger woman was jealous of an older woman who already passed away. And then she passed away before the Prophet Sallallahu married Aisha radiallahu anha. 
And the scholar, they say the reason why Aisha became jealous because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to praise Khadija constantly and mention her in a good way. But this was a type of jealousy that women normally have. Whereas the Prophet ﷺ did not reprimand her for this type of jealousy. And jealousy between women is something that's normal. As long as the boundaries are not transgressed. Where a woman is backbiting or slandering her sister in Islam or trying to cause her harm. No, this is not acceptable. But the normal jealousy that's present, a woman is not reprimanded for that. As the Prophet ﷺ did not reprimand Aisha for her jealousy. So Aisha radiallahu anha She's saying, like, what do you recall from an elderly woman of the elderly woman of Quraysh who had the red gums? And she has died some time ago. And Allah has given you better than her, meaning herself. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. as has come in other narrations he responded to the statement of Aisha radiallahu anha As is another narration where Aisha, she stated, Canon Nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ida dhukira khadija athna alayha fa ahsan athana. Kalat firgirtu yawman, fukult ma akthar ma tathkuruha, hamra ashitq, kad abdalakallahu azawajal khayna minha. Aisha radiallahu anha, she mentioned that whenever Khadija was mentioned, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam will begin to speak well of her in a good manner. So she said, I became jealous one day, you know, meaning... Because he's always mentioning her or speaking about her in a good way. So I said, You're always mentioning her a lot. 
She was a woman who had like red gums, meaning she was an older, elderly woman. It's Khadija when she died, she was 65 years old when she died, radiallahu anha. So Aisha says, and Allah has given you someone better than her. I mean, I'm younger. You know, I'm the younger wife. I'm not an older woman. You can enjoy me in the likes. So look at the response of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Ma abdalani Allahu azza wa jalla minha. He said, Allah has not given me better than her. Allahu akbar. Qad amanat bi idha kafara bi al-nas. وَصَدَّقَتْنِي إِذَا كَذَّبَنِي النَّاسِ وَوَاسَتْنِي بِمَالِهَا إِذَا حَرَّمَنِي النَّاسِ وَرَزَقَنِي اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ وَلَدَهَا إِذَا حَرَّمَنِي أَوْلَادَ النِّسَاءِ The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said in response to Aisha radiallahu anha, Allah has not given me Better than her. For she believed in me when the people disbelieved in me. And she confirmed my truthfulness when the people declared me to be a liar. And she aided me and supported me with her wealth when the people prevented me from theirs. And Allah Azza wa Jal provided me a son from her. Whereas Allah prevented me from having sons from the woman. As Khadija radiallahu anha, she gave birth to two sons for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Al-Qasim and Abdullah. And his other wives, they did not give birth to any sons. As for Maria, the Coptic, she was not a wife from the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Rather she was from the right hand possessions and she gave birth to Ibrahim Alayhi Salam. But from the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, none of them gave birth to any sons for him. And rather all of his children are from Khadija. Al Qasim Excluding Abdullah, I mean Ibrahim. But Al-Qasim, Zainab, Ruqayya, Um Kulthum, Fatima, and Abdullah. The six children, all of these six children are from Khadija radiallahu anha. So she's the only wife that gave birth to children for him. Whereas Ibrahim is from Maria and she's not from the wives. Of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So the point here, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam responded to the statement of Aisha radiallahu anha, explaining and mentioning why he mentioned, he remembers her a lot and mentions her a lot and praises her a lot. Because she was there from the beginning. And she was the source of support and comfort for him in the beginning when there was no one. And that's a virtue that cannot be overlooked. 
And that's a virtue that none of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ can ever compete with Khadija in because she never had a co-wife. So this statement of the Prophet ﷺ to Aisha was teaching her the reason why he ﷺ loved Khadija so much. Also this narration is used as a proof that Khadija is better than Aisha radiallahu anha. Because Aisha herself said, Allah has given you better than her. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Allah has not given me better than her. And this was not to slight Aisha radiallahu anha or take away from her virtue. But at the same time, this was the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam clarifying to Aisha radiallahu anha the great status of Khadija radiallahu anha. Another narration we have, and we will end with this narration, and it's on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha. She said, دَخَلَتْ إِمْرَأَةٌ سَوْدَى عَلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فَأَقْبَلَ عَلَيْهَا فَقَالَتْ قُلْتُ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ أَقْبَلْتَ عَلَى هَذِهِ السَّوْدَى هَذَا الْإِقْبَالِ فَقَالَ إِنَّهَا كَانَتْ تَدْخُلُ عَلَى خَدِيجَةِ وَإِنَّ حُسْنَ الْأَهْدِ مِنَ الْإِمَانِ Aisha radiallahu anha, she narrated that a, a dark-skinned woman entered upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he received her, welcomed her into the home. But he did it in such a great way, honored her in such a great way. So Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, Oh Messenger of Allah, you received this dark-skinned woman in this manner. Like what's the situation with her? So the Messenger sallallahu stated, she used to visit Khadija. And this is one of Khadija's friends. And indeed, keeping the good covenant is from faith. This woman, in Allah knows best, it appears that she is Hassana al-Muzaniya who is al-Hawla bint Tuwait ibn Habib al-Qurashiya al-Asadiya Wallahu alam It's possible that these are the same women 
and Allah knows best. But there's another narration where Aisha radiallahu anha she stated, Ja'at ajuz ila nabiyyi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam faqala laha mananti qalat ana jathama qala bal anti hassana al-muzaniya kayfa halukum kayfa kuntum ba'dana qalat bi khair bi abi anta wa ummi ya rasulullah falamma kharajat qult ya rasulullah تقبل على هذه العجوز هذا الإقبال قال إنها كانت تأتينا أيام خديجة وإن حسن الأهد من الإيمان عائشة رضي الله عنها mentioned that an old woman an elderly woman came to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and the Prophet said to her, who are you? She said, I am Jathama. And the Prophet said, rather you are Hassana. Because the name Jathama, it has like um, not so much of a good meaning. So whenever a person would have a name that didn't have a good meaning, the Prophet would change the person's name. So the Prophet sallallahu said, rather you are Hassana. I mean, that's from goodness. Al-Muzaniya. He said, how are you? How have you been after us? Meaning after uh, the death, or after him and Khadija. Because after Khadija died, it is mentioned that the Prophet sallallahu did not see her. And she had accepted Islam and gave a bay'ah. So the Prophet ﷺ pledged allegiance to him after the hijrah. Or it is said that she made hijrah to Medina. And she was from the friends of Khadija. Nam. So she said, I've been well, I've been good. And may my father and mother be ransomed for you, O Messenger of Allah. And one narration mentions... Subhanallah That when she entered into the home That the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Was feeding her, giving her food From his own hands He's serving her And giving her food uh, From his own hands And Aisha had mentioned uh, To him O Messenger of Allah, don't fill your hands up with so much food. And the Prophet Sallallahu he said, Ya Aisha, inna hadihi kanat ta'tina ayyam Khadija, wa inna husn al-ahl min al-iman. O Aisha, she used to come to us during the days of Khadija. She used to visit us in the days of Khadija and the good covenant or keeping the good relations with the people. This is from faith. So Aisha radiallahu anha
after the woman she left, she said, Oh Messenger of Allah, you received this older woman in such, in, in this manner? He said, indeed, she used to visit us during the days of Khadija, and indeed from the good covenant or the good relations with the people is from Iman. There are a number of matters, Barakallah Fikum, to be benefited from this event here. And you see the similarities between the wordings. This is why I mentioned that the dark-skinned woman that's mentioned in the narration is possibly this is the same woman that's mentioned in the other narrations. Because you have the same wording. Indeed, the good covenant or keeping the good relations with the people is from faith. The first matter that we benefit is that she was described as being a dark-skinned woman. And this shows that Khadija radiallahu anha, with the status that she had, the status that she had as being from the best of the women of the Quraysh, and the most noble of the women of the Quraysh, a woman who was known as a tahira the pure one, prior to marrying the Prophet ﷺ because she was known not to indulge in the indecencies and the activities of the women of that time. She was known as being the pure one. So she was, a, she was in high demand by the men of the society. But she chose the Prophet ﷺ. But I'm saying this to say that even with all of the status that Khadija she had, she was not a woman who looked down upon people or a woman who was racist and looked at herself as being better than others. Whereas, she didn't discriminate against this woman due to the color of her skin. This was her friend. And sometimes you find in the societies, Muslim societies as well as non-Muslim societies, the people of affluence, they look down upon indigenous people or people who have a different color of skin or different type of background or the likes. And they will not befriend certain people due to the color of their skin and other than that. This is not the case of Khadija radiallahu anha. And this shows the good mannerisms of Khadija and the Prophet them because when she came to the house, the Prophet let her in and he honored her. In his home. Being prejudiced against people due to the color of one's skin, this is not from Islam. Rather, this is from the mannerisms and the behavior of Iblis. As Iblis declared himself as being better than Adam alayhi salam because he was created from fire and Adam was created from dirt. So he viewed himself as being better than Adam due to his origin. So racism is not from the mannerisms of Islam. And we clearly see this with our mother Khadija radiallahu anha and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Another point, Barakallah fikum, is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam Honoring the friend of Khadija, as is mentioned in one narration, she was an older woman. 
And Aisha radiallahu anha questioned as to why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was honoring this woman in such a fashion. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam mentioned that this is a woman who used to visit us meaning during the days of Khadija, she was a friend of Khadija radiallahu anha wa anhuma Another point of benefit, barakallahu feekum, is the good treatment that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam had with his guests. As the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam mentioned, man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawmil akhir fayukrim dhayfa, that whoever believes in Allah on the last day, then let him honor his guest. And she was a guest in the home of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And also, she was the friend of Khadija, radiallahu anha. I came across a benefit from uh, Sheikh al-Albani, uh, rahimahullah ta'ala. Where he... He was checking the authenticity of the narrations regarding uh, Jathama, who the Prophet ﷺ named her Hassana. And when the Prophet, when the Sheikh, he said he uh, established. That this narration is authentic. He named one of his daughters after this noble female companion. And he mentioned that like when he came across this name, he leaned towards it. And he Hassana. And he said, but once he uh, established that the narration um, was authentic. He named uh, his daughter with his name, as the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam named this noble female companion with this name, Hassana. So this is a good name for the woman or the men to name their daughters with, Hassana. If one has a daughter. This is a name that they should choose for their daughter as this is the name the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam chose for Jathama al-Muzaniya to Hassana al-Muzaniya. InshaAllah ta'ala we'll stop at this point. Whatever is correct, the praise is for Allah. Azzawajal. And whatever is incorrect, it is from myself. Wa subhanaka Allahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha ila anta staghfiruka wa atubi ilayk.